Welcome to Ego Radio. We get you in the minds of creatives and entrepreneurs who are breaking ground. It's easy to make a hit, but it's hard to build a career. How do you stay fresh and curious with your art, work, and life? That's what we're here to find out. This week, you will be tuning into a conversation with Dennis Grishnan. He's a cinematographer whose work speaks for itself. I mean, seriously, I'll leave some links in the show notes. Check that shit out. He's worked with artists like last week's feature, Nalo Blues, Knight Lavelle, and Ren for short. He also kills it with the commercial work. He's done some stuff for Apple Music, Airbnb, Topshop, The Raptors, Canon, and so many more amazing companies. And uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. Dennis shed some light on how he went from shooting like promo videos for clubs to doing sound sound design and like sound work uh on set i don't know if sound design is, is the right word but he was a sound guy he was a sound guy on set to saying fuck that shit uh, i want to pick up the camera picking up like a regular regular old sony a7s going in on that and then diving in copping a red copping an re and like getting really reds and re's if you're if you're not in film or like this is the shit they make movies on you know so really going from where he started to where he's at right now and his approach to bring out the emotion uh, in in a scene to match with it what the director's going for whether that be for a music video a commercial a piece of narrative work you know so uh great conversation i'm excited to share it with y'all and with that let's dive in my name is ethan cabral i'm a filmmaker based out of toronto and this is ego radio so so how's your how's your day being let's bring that all to you it's been good, man. It's been chill. Um, yeah, honestly, today was actually, I fired off like uh, three gear lists, which is great. Like, I don't know, it just, uh, it felt weird. Like today was chill in the sense of like, I sat in my backyard, you know, made myself coffee. It was like easy going, but all the while I was like doing the kind of work I would normally do if, you know, things were actually moving right now. Uh, so yeah, it just felt great. And I guess it's, kind of cool to see what going back to work is going to start to feel like after all this you know before it was just like roll out of bed and oh fuck i gotta get back to work now and, and do stuff but now it's just like i don't know there's like no rush there's no sense of urgency anymore you know what i mean we're not bogged down culturally by this idea that we got to get going you know everything's uh everything's at a much more digestible pace yeah i don't know i definitely i definitely know what you mean for me it was like when quarantine first hit i felt like uh whatever pressure I was like putting on myself to perform at a high level, Mm -hmm. just gone. Not, not because I didn't want to strive anymore, but just because I was like, okay, like the whole world's on pause. I can, I can take a little break, you know, I can, Mm -hmm. you know, resume, like catch myself, see, see where I'm at. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was, it, it was wonderful because then I was able to approach my work from a much more like, Zen calm place. Right. And yeah, it's like, you, can, sure. you can actually appreciate what you're doing rather than just like seeing it as a step to get to the next thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting, man. Like I think other than like the occasional work conversations, I don't really have much going on, on in my days. Like sometimes I'll go out, you know, just kind of spend some time outside if, uh, if the weather's nice and, I don't know. It's, uh, I have these, like, I don't know about you, but I have these like phases that I go through. Like sometimes like I'll be in a reading phase. Sometimes I'll be in like a mm. really deep research phase. Some days I'll just be really sociable. And like, I just want to talk to a bunch of people or talk to friends. And so I don't know. It's, uh, it's kind of strange. Like I don't really have, I have like routines in the sense of like what I like to do in terms of like 
you know, making breakfast and things like that. But then in terms of like, what's the purpose of my day today? It's just, uh, it seems to be like all over the place right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of I split it up. I started like, because there was nothing else to really like adhere to in terms of like, oh, I have to see this person or I have to do this shoot or whatever to make my mm-hmm. schedule. I just kind of like, I'm like, okay, Mondays are for the podcast, you know, the rest of the week, like focus on whatever other, like, you know, whatever, like short film I'm working on, music video, whatever. Um, and so it was really easy to, once I, once I just decided, I'm like, okay, this day, all, all I do is this, right? And then it's like, you can artificially create that structure, right? That's kind of what yeah. I started doing. Yeah, for sure. I, I think the, the routine of not having to go somewhere is really huge right now. You know, back in the mm-hmm. day, you'd have like offices to go to. Or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Back like, in the day. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Back in my day. Um, it's, yeah, it's silly to say, but I think even just having, like, again, even just like being able to step outside your house and knowing that you yeah. are going somewhere with purpose, mm. uh, it, it makes the day feel that much more defined. So when everything can be done at home, which is great, don't get me wrong, it's, it's very relaxing. Like you said, it's very zen. Um, and you feel like you're a lot more in control of, of your day and, and, and how, um, and how you, you approach it at the same time, uh, you know, it also seems like a lot of like social norms and rules have changed. And so it's kind of up to us to reframe how we spend our days and how we approach what our sense of purpose is. But yeah, I think even just, which like has been so beautiful for, it, it is, I, I, think I think so. I think it is like it's again it's, it's tough just, though it's hard also it's hard because it forces you to really take a look at what's yeah it's it's daunting because like you know it's not like we asked for this you know what I mean it's like I'm sure we've always complained about like oh why why can't we just do this stuff from home and it's like well here you go now figure <laughs> it out you know so I think yeah, that's just kind yeah. of what it is. but I think as time goes on everyone will kind of start to understand what works for them um, one thing I do probably I think one thing I've discovered about myself more than anything else is I really do prefer to still be around people. Um, you know, it's like you, you could do so many things for a living and you could do it for home. But I, mm-hmm. I got a film because I like being on set with people. I like being present yeah. in physical space together and figuring this out, tackling the problem at hand. Yeah, um, you know, I've been seeing so a bunch of articles come out about uh, how it's like, yeah, there's going to be like having like uh, calls replace like commuting into work is going to be a huge thing for like different businesses, this, that, that. And I'm like, listen like you can calls are great and it's wonderful that it's so easy to hop on and like talk to people and it feels you can really get a sense of like like they're there in front of you facial expressions all that but that does not replace that in-person you know like body language you know oh, like, it doesn't. seeing people smelling people all, all the literally all yo, you're tiny right. things uh, that you're like why, why do you like why does it matter it matters man it yeah matters. It, do, it, it does it absolutely does it's it's the basis of our of our reality of, of the foundation of how we exist like even i've noticed even like small talk is so hard now like the first few <laughs> times yeah it's crazy yo like the first few times i've stepped out to yeah, yeah, yeah. go do whatever it is that I got to go do. Uh, like you, like the first few, like five, 10 minutes of a conversation is always like, what you've been doing? How's it been for you? How are you holding up? Whatever. But then yeah, after yeah, that, yeah. it was like, you, you're exhausted. Like there's nothing left in the tank. You, it, there's almost this awkwardness. And because everyone's so much more quieter and self-aware, there's yeah. none of that kind of awkwardness where like you're doing something while talking. It's like, no, you are there, you're present, you're talking. And then once the conversation's done, you're like, oh, well, there's not much else to say. It's, it's so strange. It's happened to me like maybe the first three times I've stepped out to go like, you know, see somebody or to, you know, go get to work and, and, and seeing them for the first time in months. But yeah, that was a, that was a strange experience. It's, it's, when I fir- it's when I first realized that isolation really does 
it does take a lot out of you and uh, it changes your brain right because you're not yeah. like, you're just not thinking about it. you're not sharp yeah you're you're kind of dull and you don't even realize just how much small talk people really do throughout a, a given day when they're out so yeah it's uh it's been very interesting but I, I you know i think everyone's also very understanding of it it's like it's not like this is just you you know this is just kind of the state of things with everybody yeah yeah so move, moving away from uh quarantine talks for a little bit i do sure. want to go over go over your story how you yeah. got to how, where your interest in art started where your interest in filmmaking started how you got to where you are today you know why you're doing what you're doing and then after that i definitely want to dive into kind of how you approach your work like currently mm-hmm. and i'm sure that's changed over time from the start to yeah Dude, it's, it's even changed just even in the last few months, to be honest. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, I don't even know where to begin. I, I mean, I think like as a kid, I've always like for as far back as I can even remember any kind of memory, I, I've always been glued to a TV like that. I can definitely mm. recall like, I you know, it, it doesn't even matter what was on, whether it was a, a cartoon, a TV show, a movie. I just having some kind of s- visual stimulation has just always been a part of my life. Um, and for whatever reason, I can never even understand why it's not as if I wanted to necessarily be a writer or a director or an actor, though I did probably felt like I did want to be involved in these things, but, uh, I didn't have this conscious decision that I was going to be a filmmaker or work in film. I just really enjoyed watching and being entertained. Um, so fast forward, like into like my late teens and early twenties, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. I kind of sort of drifted through life. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I gone to university for a year, dropped out, um, spent time kind of just like working odd jobs. And uh, eventually that kind of led me into uh, like the world of music, the world of like um, like nightclub life and uh, electronic music. And uh, I just kind of fell in love for a few years. And I, it's not that I fell out of love with film, but I just kind of set my sights on wanting to produce, wanting to work in the recording arts, maybe be an engineer work my way up to producing my own stuff. Um, so I went to school for audio engineering um, at Trevis, which is mm. funny. Like I, I live in like the area that it's in. It's like right up the street from me now. So it's kind of funny how life goes in full circle like that. But um, yeah, so I, uh, I did that for, it was like a one year, 12 month uh, program. Um, and it was, it was interesting because like, I felt like I was really good at what I understood technically but the artistry side of it really did not come through for me. And I, and I, and I knew that there was uh, there was just something I felt about working in that space that I just, uh, yeah, I just, I knew the, the logistics of it, but I didn't really have the artistry and I, and I could feel it. And um, so the only thing I could really do with that was uh, channel my knowledge into sound for film. So I actually started working on, you know, little short films and corporate jobs and commercials as a sound guy for like a couple of years, maybe a number of years. Damn. Um, Okay. Yeah, and 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 the funny thing I is, ex- like, I was not expecting this origin story. <laughs> no, dude, it's funny because most people are like they come from camera, they come from lighting, they come from you know the usual kind of like places before they go into wanting to be a cinematographer. But yeah, I like I came from sound, oddly enough. Um, Interesting. I, I wasn't huge like by by any right, like you know, it was just like little odd jobs here and there. But it was the one and only avenue in which I could actually make money um, at the time. Because if you think getting into film is hard, the music industry is just a whole other crazy ball game. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I, I took that knowledge. I, I parlayed that into, into working in sets, uh, as a sound guy, but you know, obviously that's not what I really went into audio for in the first place. So I kind of felt starved 
creatively. So it's like, you know, I'm doing this, but I'm not really happy. Um, mm. And I don't really know what's going to like fulfill me now. And yeah, for yeah. better or worse, I, I don't know why I just bought a camera. Um, despite the fact that I had never really had any interest in, in like, camera technology or photography or anything, I had money and um, my friend showed me this one video uh, of like this dude walking along like the coast and it was like, it looked like blue hour. It looked really nice. And then he asked me, he's like, what time of the day do you think that was shot at? And I was just like, like eight, nine o'clock, like dusk. And he's like, that was midnight till two in the morning. And I was just like blown away. I'm like, how is that even possible? And he shows me this camera and this is like five years ago. So this was the A7S Mark One when it first came out. Like the, mm, the first back when Sony came out with like sick low light and everyone was yeah, like- Yeah, exactly, right? Everyone yeah, was still yeah, on five yeah. Bs, right? As far as like of what I knew about cameras and this camera just came out of nowhere. And everyone was still hesitant on it, right? Because it's like Sony color. People don't really, didn't really know what to think of it. But all I saw was, wow, this thing could see in the dark. All right, cool. I want to buy it. Like, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. a few Gs. Why not? You know, like, what's the worst yeah. that can happen? Um, and the cool thing about that was uh, I had a lot of friends in the, like, again, like the nightclub industry. And uh, they did a lot of, like, you know, event videography. And, um, yeah, just like, you know, I knew a lot of people who, who worked in that world. And when they found out I had a camera like that, they were all just like, yo, like, you want to come out? Like, well, we'll get you on stage. We'll get you drunk. You know, you just come and shoot some stuff. Even though I had like yeah, this yeah. experience shooting anything. I was yeah, like, yeah. They were just like the homies. So they were like, come through. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, come yeah. through. Right. And again, like I was really into that scene. So it's like a lot of the times there were like DJs and, and artists that I'd be like so into. And I'm like, so I can go in for free. I'd be on stage. You're getting me drunk and I can play around with this camera. Sure. Sounds fun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So yeah, I did that for uh, a little while, all the while I was still doing sound for like, you know, smaller productions and, and things like that. But I really kind of started to fall in love with shooting and, and uh, just kind of playing around with cameras and, and refining my skill set from there. Um, so I had a bit of a choice to make, like around 20, like late 2015, 2016, um, I had already quit my, my part-time job. I'd started freelancing full-time. And I just took any and all jobs I could. So like within a given week, I could be on set doing sound one day, followed by going to shoot this event the next day, followed by randomly helping my friend to AC on something, followed by another sound gig. Like it's just like mm -hmm. all over the place. Um, and yeah, yeah. Took any and all jobs I could to pay bills because uh, yeah, at that point I just decided, I'm like, you know what? I'd rather try freelancing than work a part-time job that I have no desire to be in. Um, and things started to go well, but I realized at that point, I'm like, well, I can't continue doing this because I'm not really getting better at anything. I'm just kind of doing a bunch of stuff just to make ends meet. So I took a risk and I just sold all my audio gear. Um, I bought a bunch of other little bits of camera equipment. So like lenses, I bought a Ronin at the time, the gen one Ronin, um, which that thing was God awful, broke down on me like three times. Um, Ronin, and, uh, for anyone listening, is just basically like uh, if you're not in film, it's uh, it's a stabilizer yeah, for your camera. Yeah, gimbal. yeah, exactly. It was actually like Movi had already, like Freefly had already put out the Movi at that time as well. But the Movi was like a very professional tool. Like you needed to be like a tech to know how to run it. Like you have to like connect wires and do all this stuff. Yeah, Ronin yeah. was like the first kind of more consumer, prosumer, I should say, friendly gimbal. Like you just yeah, you know, yeah. Just know how to balance, know how to tune it, and that's it. It's ready to go. Mm. So um, I think that's. So you sold all your sound gear. You you bought all this camera gear, and you're like, all right, I'm I'm, I'm specializing. That's what I'm yeah, doing. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So you know, for the next like maybe year, year and a half after that, I just like shot anything that I could. Again, like events, corporate stuff, um, little music videos. Uh, just did anything that I could to continue honing my craft. 
into the direction yeah, yeah. of video and eventually cinematography. Um, and then, yeah, that ran for a, a little while. And I see the thing is my philosophy back then was I was only as good as the gear I had. Um, mm. and, and it was, it was tough for me to get out of that mindset because it was working for me. It's like every time I bought something new, things got better. And when things got better, my jobs got better. Right. So it's like, it was like this formula I had, it's like, if I get this piece of gear, it'll take me to the next level. So the next thing for me after that was to, hello, Ethan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm there. I'm there. Sorry. Yeah. You froze for a bit. Um, oh, no, so yeah. There. My uh, so my next thing after that was to upgrade my camera. So I sold mm. my A7. I, I saved money throughout the year. Sold my A7s, and I bought a red. Um, and so I had the red Scarlet W for about mm, a little over a year, year and a half. Mm. And you know things got better from there. I started to get more commercial work. Music videos started to get a bit better. Um, yeah, and then that ran for a while. And then I just decided, all right, you know, I'm going to sell the red, buy an Alexa. So I sold it. Um, sold my Ronin, bought a movie. Anyways, it was just like a lot of like flipping of gear, buying new gear. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Until eventually I just kind of got exhausted of all of that. So, um, and then, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I can't really say when things really kind of changed for me. It, it always just seems like I went through these kind of little phases and cycles of like, I'm into this, I want to learn it. Okay, I've learned it, moving on. And um, I think maybe only in the past maybe a year and a half have I really kind of started to step out of that mindset of mm. I am only as good as the things I use and start to think about, well, what are we like, what's the story? What are we, what are we showing the audience? Like what, how, how are we supposed to make people feel, you know, okay, I can't use this. Cool. What, what else can I use? You know, really starting to think kind of outside of uh, what I would call my capabilities and really trying to break the boundaries of, of my, of what I would, convince myself to be my limitations yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and i think i think somewhere around like beginning of 2019 is probably when it really started to change for me i think i started to get offered uh, jobs that were a little bit more creative where i could really sit down with the director figure out what it is that he or she is looking for um whilst also bringing uh, an element of of myself into it and um so it took you a good few years to move from pretty much being in sound <laughs> as a purely <laughs> technical person <laughs> to realizing okay this camera shit's kind of cool to so then grinding that out for what a couple years uh, yeah. and then being in a position where now finally someone's like what yeah, do you think about yeah. this How, what, what creative twist do you want to bring to this you know uh yeah exactly like i think it, it's it's interesting because like i definitely think i've i've had a very uh unorthodox uh uh, come up in in this yeah, industry. Yeah, yeah. like again like uh, most people come from camera they come from grip and lighting usually mm -hmm. well, like, that's how they learn the trade and i have a seed for people here and there um I, and i i mean honestly i could probably maybe count on my hand how many times i've gripped like I, i've never even really worked g e all that much um but i think where i really learned from some of the best dps i've got to work with was my operating like i think because i put so much time into owning all this equipment, being really good at setting it up fast, being really good on just running things myself and capturing things in the moment before they're gone. Um, I think my biggest strength at the time moving into DPing was operating. Like I think uh, operating and composition, like I would say those. Because yeah, you just had that experience. Didn't matter that it wasn't operating like whatever, Reds or Lexas, you had experience yeah. shooting 
setting up quickly, uh, getting the shot, being uh, timely with it, professional yeah. with it. Yeah, uh, exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, and I think that afforded me the ability to work with a lot of DPs who I could then study their approach, study their uh, demeanors and temperaments on. on so you were you were like uh, first ACing, which if you're not in filmmaking, first ACing is like first assistant cameraman, and yeah. uh, so you were so you were first ACing a bunch of people at this point. Just I, like, I wouldn't so. even say. I mean, I, I did here and there as a means of helping people out, and if I, and occasionally I did get paid. But where yeah. I really got paid as a crew member more than anything else was operating. Like I just kind of jumped straight mm. to operating. Got you, got you. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, like I, I definitely have AC'd a fair amount. Um, but I never really like, th that's the thing too. It's like, so when you say operating, you're pretty much like, so the DP wants a shot. You come in to operate the gimbal. You come in. Yeah. To especially if there's yeah. gimbal involved. Yeah, for sure. A yeah, lot of people yeah. me, uh, for gimbal. Um, and it just general became operating or kind of some, some kind of uh, support operating. Um, yeah, and, and it afforded me the ability to, yeah, to be on sets with, with really experienced, talented people and, and learn their craft uh, their way. Um, and lighting, too. Like, I, where I really learned lighting was watching other people light. Mm. Um, I've seen, you know, at the time, I was seeing, you know, giant grids overhead with multiple lights running to a board, all being controlled on the one hand. And I was seeing dudes who had a mirror, sunlight, and a lamp. <laughs> And the, yeah, literally, right? And and yeah, like, this, yeah. like th this job specifically, this was in Italy uh, over a year ago. And um, I, I got brought on for Gimbal and our DP, you know, like we had some lights on the truck and, and stuff, but like the sun was just like, it was just right coming through the balcony. We were in like this really big spacious uh, mm -hmm. library at this person's home. And, uh, you know, I offered him because like it was a very stripped down crew. So wherever I could help, I did. I offered him like, do you want me to go grab the light mat or something? And he's like, you know what? Give me a second. He literally runs to the bathroom grabs the mirror right out of the wall and just like runs out <laughs> to the balcony, just positions it so that it just bounces this streak across the table on the other side of the room and then just pops a lamp right behind him to give the, the space and him just a little bit of like a kicker. And that yeah, was it. Yeah. That's how we lit the scene, you know? So it's like, I got to see both spectrums of how DPs worked. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's really important because like, yeah, there will be times where you're in a big soundstage and you have to light four cars uh, in a big white studio. Or sometimes, yeah, you'll have nothing and a little window in a room and you've got to plot out and figure out, okay, what time of day is the sun at the right angle and where can we position the talent to get the right look? And, you know, I think both approaches are incredible. Um, yeah, and I think that's the perfect segue into something we were chatting, uh, chatting about on the phone on Monday. Hmm. Uh, it's really about, like, you can talk about style and you can talk about developing a look and whatever but uh, especially as a dp you're catering to the needs of the story you're catering to the needs of the environment that you're in at that time right mm -hmm. so it, it very quickly becomes about mastering your craft right mm -hmm. and that that is uh, if you cut to the core of it that's what it's always that's what it's always about right mastering your craft absolutely, absolutely. So you can get what you're looking for in any environment in any situation for any story mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, and, and I think that's half the fun of it too. It's like, yeah. you know, again, like you give me all the money in the world to do whatever it is that you want and I'll do it. Like, I mean, that's always fun to like plan and design and, uh, and really work out to the exact T of what you're looking for. But you know, half the, half the battle sometimes is getting into a space and after weeks of planning and all this stuff that you've written down, sometimes you have to get ready to throw out the rule book and, and just go, you know what? Okay. We can't do this, but let's do this. This will work. This, this feels great. Um, and I think any good cinematographer is going to have uh, both of those spectrums um, honed properly. You know, I, I think 
and the, it's not just lighting and you know camera too it's like you know you can have like all the nicest dollies and cranes and drone shots but you know i think a good dp is also someone who can pick up a camera and, and understands the fine nuances of, of handheld work and when to move when to hold when to inject a little bit of shake when to really try to hold still um yeah i think all of that really just kind of ties into who you are as, a, as an artist and as a person um and uh and the experience of watching how other people create yeah yeah well well tell me about like your experience now like coming coming from pretty much just like and i think that's how a lot of us get into it right like just like you you buy you buy like a, a sony dslr you buy some dslr and you're like all right this is fun and then you yeah. take it a little bit more seriously you take it a little bit more seriously you, you keep yeah. uh, following that thread I think, and now now you're in a place where yeah where you're getting these jobs where you get to insert uh, your kind of creative direction to the cinematography mm-hmm. where people are asking you for your opinion and you're working on projects uh, where the art really matters. It's not some nightclub video. It's not some bullshit corporate video where there's like some dudes with a tie on like struggling yeah. to read the same four lines over and over again. I've yeah, been there. I know, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I, I think that whole culture might be dead after all this too, to be honest with you. It's like, who's shooting corporate videos when you're not even in an office anymore. And like mm. everything's just this now, you know, like, yeah, it's quite, um, quite possible. Nice, which is kind of nice. Cause I guess it opens up the opportunity for different kind of work for people. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I think that that's uh, the, the core of everything I've come to learn about myself uh, as a, as a DP and even just as an artist is, uh, is exactly that. It's um, you know, what, what separates you from, from other people and, and, and the work that you do and, and your approach and, and what it comes down what, to. What is it that's unique that you're bringing to the table? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Oh, sorry. Are you asking me what, what is it? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm like, okay. I'm like reiterating what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, and I think um, part of that is also learning to discover who you are as a, as a human being, as a person, what experiences have you had in mm. your life? Where do you come from? Uh, whether it's, uh, geographically or culturally, um, you know, mm-hmm. what, uh, what insight into the world and into humanity do you have that's different from others? Um, and that's just like anything else, like just like learning how to use a camera or how to light or how to direct or edit or whatever. Um, it takes time. It takes time and effort and, um, you know, learning from others as well as learning by yourself. Um, I think there was a phase in my life where I, you know, my work was getting better um, from both a technical and I guess an artistic standpoint, sort of. But I, there was something inside of me that felt off. Like every time I'd look at my work and, and I mean, maybe this is also just who I was as a person. I was, I've always for a long time in my life been very, very critical of myself and uh, very hard on myself just as a means of pushing myself to the next level. But obviously that's not the healthiest way, especially when it comes to art. Uh, to approach things that way. Um, and I, I just remember for about a good year, I was really just unhappy with my work. Um, and not just like like the mm. corporate stuff and like the stuff that I was doing for money, but even just like the the, the artistry side of things, the stuff that yeah, yeah. I was putting time into, the uh, the passion projects with with directors and friends that I was doing. I was just very, I was very unhappy with it. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't really understand why for quite some time. I don't know if it was because I just wasn't there technically yet um, or if there was just more of the job that I needed to, to learn about that I just hadn't really foreseen. But I think what I started to realize is, I mean, your, your art is always going to be a reflection of who you are. Um, and I think what I was really trying to say to myself is I don't like who I am 
as a person. You know, like if I wasn't happy with my art, then that just meant I wasn't happy with me, myself. Um, and that meant digging further into, into who I am and, and the life that I live, the people who I surround myself with, the thoughts and, and behaviors and, and patterns I have in my head. Um, and I think it took me a long time to kind of, well, A, dig myself out of that recurring uh, mm. theme of, you know, being yeah. hard on myself, always striving to be the best, um, you know, typical ego shit. Um, and, uh, and starting to learn how to be just more gentle with myself and understanding um, that everything is a process, that everything is about growth, everything is about trying things out and failing and that it's okay to fail. Um, about making changes to, yeah, to my life and to my relationships with people and to how I look at the world. Um, I think there was like... Well, I'd love to, if you're, if you're comfortable going into it, I'd love to, because yeah. it sounds like uh, there was some sort of a breaking point from um, where you were looking at the world one way to where you realized, okay, this isn't, this isn't working uh, I, for, I don't, between I, your life, between your work. I don't Was it more know. of a gradient or was it like a switch? Probably Definitely a gradient. gradient. Like, I, I don't think that there was this one defining moment where something snapped in my head. I mean, yeah. I have had those moments where something clicks and then that makes me think a different way. And then from there on out, it takes me on a new path. And, and that mm -hmm. happens quite often with me. But I wouldn't yeah. say there was this one moment in time where everything just changed for me. It was, yeah. it was a process. Yeah. It definitely took, it took some time um, and some patience uh, and, uh, and, you know, some, some challenging on my part. But I think what just ended up happening over time was I started to say yes to things I normally wouldn't. I started to try things out that not normally either worried me or, or scared me for one way or for one reason or another. Um, and I think in the process of doing so, I started to discover, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Or, oh, you know, this person's not really what I had expected them to be. Um, you know, like I, I, I think in, in the, yeah, in, in the process of, of changing my habits and myself as a person, I therefore ended up changing my work. And so now when I look at my mm. work, um, it just feels different to me now. Now, th this could also be all very arbitrary. Like maybe that's just how I feel towards my work. But if I show you one frame from two years ago and one frame from now, you might not even see a difference. Like I, I really, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't even say if it's even really there or not or apparent, but it definitely does feel like that for me. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I think the work and my life as a whole, it's, it's cyclical, you know, there's a- Definitely, there's, there's, and I can, I, can, I can really relate to what you're saying because even personally for me, I went through a period in, uh, in 2018 where for about a year, I didn't really, I created things, but I wouldn't really finish them. I'm talking about my personal mm -hmm. projects. I was doing a lot of work for clients, but like I couldn't really enjoy what I was doing for myself. And I kindly, like I, I reached the point where I was like, do I even like this anymore? Like, is this, is this something I really enjoy? And yeah. uh, then I, I took a, I, I started university at that point and I took a, I just, like, you know, I, I moved out, a lot of things were happening and I didn't have time to, devote myself to you know making stuff the way i would have liked to mm -hmm. and then i i reached a point where i dropped a ball on a project and i was mm -hmm. like oh shit what did you do here. how'd you drop it uh i i just didn't give it the energy that i i would have liked to uh mm -hmm. i had a there was a trip that i had going on uh i was i was going out to vancouver my parents had recently moved there and in going out to see them, which would probably would have been the only opportunity I had to do that for that whole year. 
I wasn't available on some key dates for an extended project that, that me and a few friends were working on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was, I was in a tough situation, but regardless, that to me was like a point where I was like, oh shit, okay. Like, this is something I really care about. I can't stand to see myself not giving it, uh, not giving it the energy that I really know that I need to. Uh, and yeah, similar to you, I wouldn't say that it was like, that was like the one, I'd say that was kind of like the last trial for me. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. it's, uh, let's figure it, this shit out. And that's when I, so then Jen, January, I started working on this podcast. And then April, uh, I dropped season one and it was just an inquiry into, okay, what is it that enables a sustainable creative process, right? What is it that enables someone to continuously come back to their work and be excited about it, to come back to it with that same vigor that mm-hmm. got you interested in it in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, so totally. I, 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 I very much like sympathize with, with what you're saying. I, yeah, I think uh, it's, it's hard. Like it's, 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 so, it's so honest, it's almost a little too honest. And some people have a hard time accepting that some people don't really take the time to stop and think about what is it that's driving them? What is it that's actually motivating them? Is it coming from a place of, you know, great passion and love in, in their work or is it coming from fear and fear? Of oh being- dude, you hit it on the head with that. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And, and I, and I say that because I definitely feel like that was my, that was my problem for, for a long time really. Um, and, and there's no shame in, in coming to terms with the fact that maybe you just aren't in love with, uh, with what it is that you're doing as much as you thought you, you were. Um, but the importance is that honesty with yourself and others, um, in, in your work, in your passions, in, in everything that it is that you want to do in this world. Um, and it's, it's just so funny because like, it's not, it's not quite so literal. You know what I mean? Like success can be literal, right? Like viewerships, money clout, whatever, like, you know, like these are quantifiable figures that we can then use to measure success. Plus five clout. Yes. Right. Like, <laughs> exactly. Right. Like, Oh, X amount of likes, X amount of, you know, uh, whatever yeah, yeah, metric yeah. that you find it. Right. Mm. Um, you know, th- all those things are quantifiable. They're so literal, but the, uh, the gratification of what it is that you're doing, it doesn't come from the literal, it comes from the, the feeling inside and mm. that feeling. Yeah. 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 That feeling can be overcoming challenges and obstacles. That feeling can be coming together with with friends and colleagues to to make something that you're passionate about. Um, that you know that feeling can come from discovering a part of yourself that you never even thought could exist. Um, and I, yeah, it's uh, it's I don't know. I think the most incredible part about what we get to do, and not even just in filmmaking, I think in in the process of making art itself, is that as you make your art, you also get to discover a part of you deeper and deeper and deeper um and then in turn you can then learn to channel that and then present that for others to then get a sense of who you are through your work um but it's all it's all cycles it's all just like these phases that you go through of creation and destruction over and over like even when i think back to it even like my obsession with buying gear like all i was really doing was creating an opportunity and then destroying it like when i bought my like when i bought my my most recent cameras like my alexa it's it's like it's it's an older model and it's a bigger fatter version um and and it's older and a lot of people were really hesitant in in when i was telling them that that was going to be my next investment because the first thing they said was how are you going to put that on your gimbal it's it's too big and i told them well that's the point i don't want to and they're like well how are you going to do work and i'm like well i don't want to work as a gimbal operator anymore 
So I created an obstacle and a limitation for myself mm. so that I could then learn to overcome it and take on different jobs that didn't require me to yeah, be yeah. and focus on different avenues in my career. Um, it's, yeah. that, it's that uh, courage to force yourself to pursue the next opportunity that you know you really want, that you know mm-hmm. you really wanted, right? Like even like when you sold your sound gear and you made that jump, I'm sure it wasn't a perfectly smooth transition. That was still- No, like, a- yeah. I mean, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't. Like it's, it's so strange. Like I think- mm. So much of what we think is going to happen sometimes is just, it's all in our head. It's, it's, it's crazy. It really is. Like you can convince yourself of the craziest things sometimes just out of fear and, and, and ego. Like, I, yeah. Like when I sold my song gear again, people thought I was crazy. They're like, that's like half your work. Like, why would you do that? And you know, cause I knew, well, it's an investment into my future. Cause this is not a future I want to continue. But if I take that money and I put it towards other things and I start pushing myself to, to go into this avenue in this direction, then I have no choice. I have to walk that path now because I've, I've essentially destroyed the other path in front of me. <laughs> yeah. It's that, uh, it's that story of like the, the general that brings their troops to the island, then burns the ships and says, all right, you fight here or you die. Right. Like, yeah, that's, yeah that's exactly. Sometimes like, yeah, like human beings are incredibly resilient. And if there's one thing that we do it's we adapt. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that just happened. Um, yeah, like we adapt, you know, we, we yeah, adapt yeah, yeah. our environment, our circumstances and the, the limitations that we create for ourselves. Um, you know, even like something as simple as like living a life of minimalism, you know, some of the reasons people do that is because when you don't have so much around you, you pay attention to other things, right? Um, and things in your home don't become so literal, you know? Um, I think part of the reason people are like afraid of losing their home sometimes it's because they have so much stuff within their homes, not just the people that live in there. Um, but when you can pack things into a few bags and get up and go, then suddenly you, you can just go anywhere in the world and it's so much easier to do that. Um, so yeah, I think, um, I think part of my growth has come from this idea of every time I've excelled or succeeded in something, I would always have this urge inside of me to go, okay, now what, what's next? Mm. Um, how do I destroy yeah, this yeah. and create something else? Um, shooting film was like that for me too. There was a, a phase in like 20... I want to say like 2018 where I was shooting 16 for a bit um, because I just, again, like I had the urge. I saw people were doing it. It was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought a, I bought a, it was like a super 16 uh, modded Bolex online and shot a bunch nice. of stuff with it. Had my fun, but uh, you know, it had its limits too. And once it reached, I sold it. And again, a lot of people were like, why are you selling it? Dude, you're killing it. It looks great. And I'm like, yeah, but it's like, again, I, I hit this kind of stagnation and I need my next thing. I need the next thing that's going to propel. Yeah, so it sounds like you, you're, you've never been afraid to push aside what you've gotten comfortable with to chase something that's a little bit more unknown, yeah. that's a little bit more uh, yeah. dangerous if you, if you choose to frame it that way, right? Or yeah. it's a challenge that, that exactly. brings you and, that and, new excitement. And I love that you said that. Like, you're right. It is, it is how you frame it too, right? It's like everything is perspective and how you look at it. It's like, don't look at it as like, if you do this, you're going to lose this. Mm. It's about what you're going to gain. Um, and, and I think that's how I always try to approach it. There always was a bit of fear and panic within me for sure. But I also think like that's, it's, it can be good sometimes to, to use that as your, your driving force to propel you forward into the next thing. If you're, if you're not afraid, then you don't care. You know, that's the way I look at it. Right. It's like, you know, people are usually afraid, more than anything else, because they just, they care, they care a lot. Um, and I think I wrote off my fear for a long time and it, it worked in, in some regards, but you know, it can also be very dangerous. And I think having the, 
the foresight to understand when it's necessary and when it's debilitating is very important too. Yeah, well, I mean, if you break it down, everything in your life can be split into two lanes, right? Like there's fear on one side and there's desire on the other side. And you're kind of walking this line where you're running away from things you're afraid of, chasing Mm -hmm. things that you desire. Mm -hmm. And then it's even a little bit uh, contradictory in nature because you fear the thing that you, you fear not getting the thing you desire just as you, much as you desire it. Yeah. And, then you, <laughs> and it's like, and you feel like it devalues your worth if you don't, if you don't succeed or if you don't achieve it either. It'd be just because mm-hmm. you're allowed to, to do it. And like, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy thing, man. Like, again, like I've, I've learned, I've learned that what we do in, in art and our careers and in our life in general, it's not as literal as we've always thought it was. Um, and as you get older, you just start to realize like there are really no, answers to whether something is going to work or not all there is is your will and determination to get it done um yeah so i mean i want to like just rest on that for a moment because i think it's like it's 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 so easy to it's 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 a little corny but it's also very easy to uh give into circumstances right it's Mm -hmm. so easy to give into because there's always going to be some bullshit that gets in the way right Mm -hmm. whether it's a pandemic or whether it's like whatever it's like what do you really want if you really want it you'll figure out a way it's not dude that that's exactly where i'm at right now it's like everyone's like people have been watching that i've been like going back out to shoot and mind you they're very small it's like one of my shoots that i did a couple weeks ago it was just me and my friend like i handled everything camera yeah yeah yeah. whatever and people are starting again people are starting like small three five people sets yeah yeah and some people are like yo how are you doing this like like how like you know not not like specifically i guess they're just like trying to wrap their heads around the idea of how is it that I'm going out there and doing these things? And I yeah, just tell yeah. because I can, because I, I will. <laughs> like, I don't know what else to say. It's like, I, you know, I, I spent my time in quarantine, you know, just reflecting and doing my own thing and, um, and working on myself and trying to figure out where is it that I want to take my life in, in the next step. But yeah, yeah. Day, I do what I do because I, I have an itch to do it. And uh, eventually I just stopped saying I wish and I just started saying I want. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I, I totally sympathize with how people are feeling right now. And I get it. It's not, it's not an easy time to know what you want. Um, and some people are relishing the, you know, the, the break that we're getting right now to kind of recharge and, and reevaluate. But um, I've always been the kind of person that once I hit something, like once I feel something inside and I know this, this is the right thing to do this is the next thing for me to do. I just, I get right to it. Like there's, you know, I, uh, I can be very indecisive, but once I've made a decision, that's it. That like, we're doing it, you know? There's yeah, nothing. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, slow to deliberate, but once you know, it's, it's go time. It's go yeah. time. I mean, that's the way to do it, man. Yeah. yeah, well, so, okay, so well, tell me, like, so now when you, when you step onto set and you're, and you're thinking about, or, or when you step into pre-production and you're thinking about uh, bringing uh, a story, bringing a concept to life, right? What's your, what's your approach? What are you, what are you thinking about? Hmm. As a DP, I think, and I, I don't think it's really changed for me much over the years. I think my core principle at the end of the day is what is the audience meant to experience? Because that's, the, I mean, that's, that's the whole purpose of, of entertainment and art. It's, it's to experience something and to reflect upon it and to, you know, if it's, if it's good, I mean, one would hope if it's good, then it should also change you in some way. And so whenever a director sits down to tell me whatever it is that their vision or their concept is, my first question is, okay, well, what is the audience meant to experience through what, uh, I guess 
lens in a way um, are they meant to look through um, when they're watching this piece? And I kind of build it from there. So, you know, if, if the concept is a little bit more straightforward, then, you know, the conversation just kind of becomes like, okay, well, what's the look that we want to give it so that it kind of enhances what the visual experience is supposed to be. Um, but of course, if there's meant to be more of like an emotional narrative or, or sorry, emotional element to it, or something that's meant to make people feel a specific feeling, then it becomes more about, um, you know, how you're building that in the, in the edit and in the script and in the performances. Like I'm not, I used to be the kind of person who just kind of concerned myself with how things look and beyond that, everything's out of my control. And now I don't really like doing that anymore. I don't like doing that anymore just because you know, I think it doesn't matter what position you work on set, having an understanding of the entire process from start to it, it's, it's so pivotal. Like I, if I frame a shot and I have no idea how you're going to cut it to the next shot in the edit, that's, that's not good. Like I can that's give not you, good for you. That's not good for the oh, editor. That's not I, good for the director. I, I could give you a series of great looking shots, but if they don't coincide together, or if they just don't feel right. And I mean, you can make the argument. That's what the director is for. You're supposed to guide me. You're supposed mm -hmm. to get there, but it's just yeah, going to be yeah. so much easier if I already know what you're looking for. If I, if I understand your vision, because not only am I going to give you what you asked for, but then maybe I'm already as an extension of you looking for things that's going to help enhance that anyway. And I end up showing you something that you probably didn't even know you wanted, but now you're like, Oh, I love this. Let's do that. Um, like, you know, a perfect example, actually, like when we talked about this on Monday, I, I know you mentioned how much you, you like the, the top shop thing I did with, uh, with Angelica. And, uh, part of how the visual for that was constructed was, you know, she showed me some references. She said, I really love this. I love how this feels. I'm like, okay, great. We can do that. And then her, her question was, how wide can we go? And I was like, well, we've got a 16 in the lens set. Is it 16 wide enough? It's a pretty wide lens. Yeah, yeah. And, and she's just like, can we go wider? And I'm like, well, we could. I mean, I guess so. So, you know, I was looking around. I'm like, okay, we can get a 14 because anything wider than that, the lens is just going to be so huge and so cumbersome to work with. Um, so we got, we got a 14 though. And we chose to shoot in 4 by 3 because on an Alexa – four by three mode allows you to actually gain more top and bottom without cutting the the width of the sides mm. so it allows you to get closer to somebody's face uh which gives you uh, a closer perspective while still keeping them in frame which on yeah. the on the wide lens looks great and um so what ended up happening on that shoe we discovered uh on like literally on the first scene of shooting was that what was supposed to originally be elements of the video this crazy wide aspect and then cutting in all this coverage we ended up just loving the the look of the 14 and the feel of it and so much of it just ended up being shot on the 14 and i think when you watch yeah, the yeah. Part, like 50 60 percent of the video is just the 14 mil yeah. um and uh and i think that's just like yeah it, that's one of those things where it's like i don't want Ange to just tell me like oh i want it to just be wide it's like well i i want to understand what you're looking for and what you're trying to go for because then i can kind of help look for you and and together we can go wow this feels great let's let's find more of that so what you're doing when you're having this conversation is you're building kind of a, a visual language right mm -hmm. to, to convey whatever tones and emotions you're trying to convey yeah. um how does yeah. how does that come to life for you is it is it mostly because so when i say visual language i mean like you look at a director like uh wes anderson the way he works with his dp he builds a very specific visual language that's just a very yeah. obvious example yeah, um, I mean, like even like David Fincher, very similar. 
deal, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, like those those two directors are also just like they're very, um, I mean, they're very talented dudes, and they're very yeah. particular. Yeah, um, yeah, like when you look at someone, like when you use Fincher as an example, like it's a very extreme example because Fincher, yeah. in a lot of ways, is kind of like Kubrick, where he just has a, a great understanding of exactly what he wants to see, and people are just there to help execute that. Um, mm-hmm. like, I remember watching this. Uh, it's less of a back and forth on uh, like onset process and more like a, I see it done in my head. Let's make it. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think that there's necessarily like a right or a wrong to that. Um, mm. but that's just, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's their process. Like there's this, I remember there's the, uh, there's a BTS of like panic room, uh, like the making of panic room with Jodie Foster, um, and Fincher, like while the set, cause I don't know if you know this, but other than one shot at the very end of the movie, the entire movie is all one built set. That house and even just the opening on that street, that's an entire house built in a soundstage. Mm. And um, so there's like, there's video footage of like Fincher walking through the construction of, of this home before it's even being finished, like before it's even finished being built, he's saying, okay, so I want camera 36 inches off the ground here. It's going to go through there. So I need an alcove built here so the camera can slip through. Like he just knows. <laughs> And which is incredible. I mean, like that's awesome, and that's why his movies feel the way they do. And some directors yeah, are like yeah, that. Makes sense. And then there's other directors who can't even tell you what what a 35 mil is. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. And th- those are the you know the actor directors or the editor directors or um, you know the directors who come from a different background than the more technical side. And and they have their own way of working. And and therefore, you as a DP have a different approach to how you can serve them. I've I've worked for directors who literally tell me, okay, we're, we're going to go to the, we're we're going to the fifty now, which is normally sort of like a kind of like a call for me to make. For you, yeah. If, yeah, if yeah I trust yeah. the director knows what they want and they understand what being on that lens is going to do for us. Then like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have an ego about that. I'm like, cool, we'll go to the we'll go to the fifty, unless something kind of catches my eye and I go, hey, we should probably consider this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have a problem with that. And then yeah, some directors are just like, I just want to see this. Yeah, like literally, they'll just give me a size, and then it's up to me to decide. Okay, how you know how much do I want the subject separated from the environment? Um, how much uh, sense of movement and scale do I want? And then from there, I'll kind of choose what lens I want to be on. So that's just like one example of like you know how uh, how I would kind of go about that. But it really just depends. Yeah, it always depends on on who you're working with. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely, definitely, yeah. Because everyone's found their way to. That role in a different way, so the skill sets and the yeah. you know the, and, the tool set that they're bringing to that is going to be slightly different every time. Yeah, and I think it's it, w- the most interesting part about it for me is that over time I've discovered that like I can actually be a different creative on set when I get to work with so many different people. Like there there have been jobs where like on the day you know I'll, we'll be shooting it and like it won't be what I would typically do like if I had all of the choices available to me. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll see it on monitor and I'm like, okay, it's working. You know, uh, I don't know if like, I would say this is my, my most favorite visual thing I've shot, but like it's working. And as long as they're happy, but I'm happy, but then you see it come together in the edit and you go, oh, okay. I like, I feel it. I get it. You know, it's not about it always necessarily looking the prettiest. It's did it serve its function for the director's vision. So I, I think the cool thing is the, the times where people just let me play and do whatever, whatever the hell I want, you know, those are fun. Cause then I just get to see my visuals that I just, uh, you know, I, I got to craft and um, I get to almost see a piece of myself in, in that work. Yeah, and, then yeah, there, yeah. and there are times where I see a piece of myself 
but through the extension of somebody else in in that work and i think that's really cool too you start to discover a piece of a piece of yourself <laughs> right like it's it's kind of cool i love it it's almost yeah, as if yeah, yeah. Put me but rewired something in my brain or or changed my emotions mm. or something and i think that's really cool too i, I mean it, it takes a lot of graciousness and humility to let go of what you would normally want to do in service of what yeah, well, 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 talk to me a little bit about that because I know we were having a little conversation about the concept of ego and how yeah. having a big-ass ego does not serve your art. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Um, yeah, what is your I mean, process in realizing that being like? Um, Some fuck-ups. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think like, uh, where it kind of came about was like I, I think going into every job, especially when I was kind of still new to this, because because I cared so much because I I had a deep deep desire to to succeed and excel and make the best work that yeah. I could make or at least yeah, the yeah. best in my eyes anyway um, I always kind of came into things with an expectation um, and and part of that was good for me in a way because it meant that I could be as prepared as I could be and and obviously preparation is everything when when, when going into a production but then the problem is, is that when you walk in with that expectation it's really hard to let go of what it is that you've been thinking this thing is going to be for weeks on end. Um, and then by the, by the time it's over, I mean, it can and you've be kind of become thing. identified with that. Right. And see, so yeah. when you don't achieve it or when someone doesn't let you have that, it, it's it like, just, you feel like you're wrong. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Literally. And, and it is ego, but it, it just feels like gears are starting to, are starting to grind inside of you and, and you're trying to convince and, almost manipulate people into doing what you want but it's not working and um and it's just it's yeah it, like the, i really it was challenging for me for a very long time to be able to a identify that that's what i was doing inside and to also learn to let it go and understand that it's not about you like there's a series of there's a sea of people i mean depending on the size of your crew sometimes there is literally a sea of people all there in service of one thing and you are just, you know, I mean, you are an important part, but you are not the part. It's not about you. It's, it's about this thing. And, and you need to be there and, and give all of yourself to somebody's vision. Um, and I think once I started to learn that, I started to let go of having any expectation walking into a job. Um, and in the process, I've got to really discover elements of myself that, again, like I never would have really done had it not been someone guided me along in that direction um and now i look at those pieces of work and and they're some of my favorite pieces and it's because i realized like wow like in that moment i let go of who i was and i got to discover somebody i didn't even think i could be damn damn i think that's i think that's a gorgeous place to to wrap it, this it, up it, dennis thank yeah. you for taking the time to to come through and have this chat uh, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a big fan of your work. You do some, you Thank do you, some man. great, Thank great you. stuff. And, Holy uh, shit. It's actually been an hour. Oh my yeah, God. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yo, that flew by. That's crazy. It flew wow. by, right? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Cool, man. But yo, thank you, dude. This is actually like, this is technically my first ever one of these ever. Like, I don't think I've ever, yeah, I've never done a podcast. I've never done a panel or anything like that. So hey, here's to many more. Yeah, dude. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Cool. Cool. Yeah. We'll just cut the recording there. <laughs> And so, yeah, that is that is all for this week. Thank you for tuning in. I hope to see you in another fortnight with, a, with another episode featuring another amazing artist from the city of Toronto. And honestly, like, we're going to be expanding. It's going to be, we're going to get some people from the, like, London, UK, and we're going to get some people from Vancouver, and I want to, the California IA, California, 
you know, <laughs> uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to, to keep this podcast going, to keep sharing new conversations with you. So thank you. Thank you for tuning in. And if you made it to the end, you're amazing. Like I would, I would kiss you if you were here, like don't matter who you are, right? That's just, that's love. I, I respect that. Thank you. Thank you for sticking through. Um, credits, credits, time for the show credits. Shout out to Jacob Martinez Nemi for, for editing this episode and Lance Free for making the beats, Matt Bajan for our current graphic design. And as always, Ethan Cabral, me, yours truly, your host for uh, producing and hosting the show. So that is it. I'll catch y'all later. <laughs>